0: It's only entertainment. Welcome back to the Talking Hedge. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and
1: host of your Cannabis Business Podcast. We are at the Finance Forum, MJ BizCon's pre show. My guest right now, Anthony Coniglio, he is with New Lake Capital Partners. Anthony, thanks for being with us on The Talking Hedge. Thank you
0: for having us here today.
1: I appreciate it. New Lake Capital Partners,
0: what is it? What do you do? Yeah, we're REIT. We're cannabis exclusive REIT. We're one of the largest owners of cannabis real estate in the country today. Um, we are a public company. Our ticker symbol is NLCP. We own 32 properties across 12 states with 13 tenants.
1: Very cool. Okay. Um, talk to me a little bit about, uh, I've heard drinking from a fire hose recently um, with the two states that just came on board. There's a lot of interest. Uh, I don't want to put that in your words, that's what I heard. Maybe you could tell me, are you, are you seeing a lot of, uh, a lot more interest in the last week for real
0: estate? I'd say we've been really busy for, we were founded over four years ago and it's really been very busy since, but in particular over the last six to nine months, it's been extremely busy. As you know, cannabis, uh, the cannabis industry is very capital intensive. And with the current valuations that are you're seeing in the equity markets and the rates from the debt perspective, our sale-leaseback products um, tend to be very attractive for operators to be able to raise that non-dilutive capital. So we have a lot of folks that we're in dialogue with looking at transactions all across the spectrum.
1: Okay, so tell me, uh, explain that a little bit because some people n- may not know about sale-leaseback options. The advantage to that is that if you don't have the capital uh, you can because you can't go to a bank, right? So if people have equity, rather than going and getting a home equity line of credit on your on your house, what you're going to do is essentially. Um, and maybe this is a bad example, but like a reverse mortgage. Uh, that's a bad example, but it, you're essentially um leasing back that property you buy it and then you're leasing it back and getting that capital is you probably have a better explanation
0: that's right this this is a type of transaction that is very regular way for mainstream companies to manage their Um, their real estate capital needs. So companies such as Walgreens or Home Depot, Starbucks, just to name a few, they all utilize sell lease back transactions. This is a very non-disruptive transaction. It's more of a financing, but in essence, the owner of the property sells it to us and we concurrently lease it back for 15 to 20 years. So you don't have to move out. There's no disruption to the operations. It's really a transaction. We require that property and we lease it back.
1: Okay. And is there, Differences in that risk tolerance when you guys are doing your due diligence. Do you look at certain regions with, like,
0: you know, uh, a little bit more scrutiny? Well it's a very insightful question. Yes, for sure. We focus on limited license jurisdictions. So we've been doing that since the inception of the company in 2019. Um, what we like about focusing on limited license jurisdictions, it's a better operating environment for the tenant. So we look at cash flow at a property level basis, so a better operating environment means better cash flow at the property, these mission critical properties. It also ensures that there's demand for that license, and in these limited license jurisdictions where you typically can't purchase alcohol at a supermarket, that license and the property are typically attached, sometimes legally, but many times just attached in terms of the licenses provided to that address.
1: Mm -hmm. And is there a difference on what the individual is doing with the facility? So a lot of these uh, limited license states like Arizona, for example, are vertically integrated. And so the retail is the same company that is manufacturing and, and growing. Are you looking at the grow facility different than the retail facility? For example, when doing a sale, leaseback auction on those individual uh pieces of of
0: property. Absolutely. So we do have 16 dispensaries in our portfolio as well as having 16 cultivation facilities. If you looked at it based on capital though, over 90% of our capital is in cultivation facilities because it's Mm. a much larger, more capital intensive building. Mm. When we underwrite that, we look at the dynamics and again back to cash flow. What kind of cash flow coverage is that dispensary generating? What kind of cash flow coverage is the um, cultivation facility generating? Is that party wholesale only? Or to your point, are they vertically integrated? So when we look at the property, they um, will underwrite it as dispensary or cultivation. But then when we underwrite the tenant, we're going to look, are they vertically integrated in the state? And what is their, what are their financials? like?
1: Okay. So you're giving 90% of loans to the, the grow itself, it, but it's not separate from the license. So even though you're not necessarily giving uh, the retail uh, a loan, it is it would be backed by that if something the the collateral would be backed by all all of the owner's property. I'll
0: clarify, it's not a loan. We actually purchased the property and okay, okay. own it. Um, and so when we look at that company as a tenant, we're underwriting. What's the what's the credit quality of the tenant? Okay. Will they be in place to pay rent to us over the 15 to 20 year period of the lease? What
1: is the risk? Least... There, there doesn't seem like a whole lot of risk involved if if that's
0: the case. So. Yeah, maybe explain the, the risk tolerance. The... Um, so we underwrite three three main aspects. We underwrite the real estate, we underwrite the tenant, and we underwrite the jurisdiction. And your risk profile is really a mix of those three factors. So when you look at the tenant, what's the risk that that management team and that business plan will survive and be durable enough to be able to pay rent over the course of, uh, of your lease agreement? Mm-hmm. Um, the licensing jurisdiction, what's the likelihood that the licensing jurisdiction will provide the right operating environment for that tenant to be able to achieve all of their strategic objectives Mm -hmm. Um, and then of course we're underwriting the real estate what's the likelihood that this real estate will be durable over the next 15 to 20 years in the cannabis ecosystem but we also underwrite if ever it had to come out of a cannabis use and revert to a non-cannabis use so we're looking at all those factors and your risk profile is really different depending on who the operator is where the property is um, and what the, the use of the property is whether it's cultivation or retail
1: a lot of REITs returns are fairly stable. Right now, cannabis is hot. Right now, real estate uh, in, in certain regions are, are really hot. Um, it, are you, tell me a little bit about your stock price and, and the reflection of that?
0: Yeah, um, so when you look at the performance of our business since the inception of the company, we've collected all of our uh, contractual rent since the inception of the company. So we have industry leading rent collection, which is really a testament to the underwriting and the ability to d- generate um, cash flow for our investors. We've raised our dividend uh, six times in a row, six quarters in a row. We're paying a cash dividend. Our last dividend is 37 cents a share. Um, and so we're taking those those returns that we're generating in the portfolio and delivering them back to the investor. Um, and so when we look at our stock price, we've deployed all of our IPO capital, we've raised the dividend six times in a row, and yet our stock price is suffering. And really, I think what, what we're seeing in our stock price is um, a sympathy trade with cannabis, but more importantly, it's the lack of institutional demand right mm-hmm. now. Given um, the technical factors around Prime Brokers, those are the organizations that provide custody to institutions, many Prime Brokers pulled out of the industry, um, supporting the industry in November and December, and so that's taken a lot of the liquidity out. So I speak to a lot of institutional investors that really like our stock, that really like our business model, and really like our portfolio want to invest, but operationally, they're precluded from investing right now. And so we're working hard to try to remedy that. We think that unlocks a lot of value. So these still have sin clauses? Uh, It's not so much a sin clause. Um, Many of the prime brokers came out last October, November, December, and sent notices to the institutional investors saying that they will not custody shares for a marijuana related business that's not listed on New York, Nasdaq or Toronto or TSX. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you're able to get through onto one of those exchanges, which we're working hard to do, we're currently listed on the OTC, um, if we're able to get through to one of those exchanges, it opens up the investor base significantly, improves liquidity, and we think it'll be meaningful for our shareholders.
1: What's it going to take to do that?
0: Uh, it could come in a number of forms. could come in the form of regulatory relief or safe harbor and safe banking. I'm not optimistic that that, ag- that actually occurs, but it's a path. It could be safe banking passing as is, and that being the impetus to get the exchanges to say yes. I'm not optimistic we're actually going to see safe banking in the uh, lame duck section. I probably shouldn't say that too out around these halls. A lot of people would be mad at me, um, and we've also proposed. We've been publicly telling investors on our quarterly calls that we've proposed a structuring of our company to be able to comply with the Controlled Substances Act um, and be able to get an uplisting. So we're not p- mm-hmm. telling people to invest in our stock because that will happen, mm-hmm. but it's another yet another path that we're pursuing to try to get that uplisting. It's a critically important. Um, element for our investors and quite mm-hmm. frankly management and the board own a fair amount of the company so it's important to us as well
1: mm-hmm. sounds like a value opportunity if you do get that up listing and or safe banking comes in uh, that stock is going to go up because there's so many that are absolutely hammered uh, like you mentioned you're getting just thrown into this cannabis uh, uh, like with all, with all the other OTC stocks, and there's no differentiation, especially with some solid returns, and so if if they're able to differentiate uh, individual cannabis companies, that's an opportunity as well as. Uh, I suppose uh, safe banking to come on board and, and differentiate you guys in, in that regards as
0: well. So, right. Right. if you look at the discount that we're trading at, mm. it implies distress. Mm-hmm. And I just told you we have industry leading rent collection. You look at our tenants; we have some of the top tenants in the industry, names like Cresco, True mm-hmm. Leaf, Colum- uh, Columbia Care, also Cureleaf. Mm-hmm. We have some of the smaller um, leading players in the cannabis industry, like a C Three Industries or a Mint. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the quality of the portfolio is, is very, very high, and there really is a disconnect to how we're trading. And therein lies the opportunity for investors, and you get paid a cash dividend on a quarterly basis while you're waiting for that catalyst. So we think it's a fairly attractive prospect.
1: Okay, so we just had a couple states uh, come on board. Are you looking at any other opportunities, either new emerging markets and or distressed opportunities? Washington State seems incredibly distressed, but it's not vertically integrated, it's not limited license. Um, are you looking at distressed are you looking at new and emerging what's what's your what's your focus for 2023 and beyond
0: yeah um we don't look so much at distressed because again we're making a credit and underwriting decision to be able to pay rent for 15 to 20 years and the execution risk in a distressed situation is typically pretty significant so that that's not likely to be a risk that we would take yes we're looking at opportunities in uh, minnesota uh, hopefully minnesota next year Um, but in missouri uh, and in maryland we are looking at some of the unlimited license states as those states mature and as we see some stability we will see emergence of leaders in those states and in those jurisdictions where they could actually operate profitably and generate free cash flow from their businesses Mm -hmm. And if they can demonstrate that they can do that on a regular basis Mm -hmm. that's really what we're looking for right Mm -hmm. that ability to have some stability the ability to generate some free cash flow in your business and uh, demonstrate that you're a long-term player here and you're not going to be washed out if there's another leg down in um in wholesale pricing
1: okay all right, Anthony, what's uh, your stock symbol? Where can people find you at? Website, all that good stuff. Yeah,
0: thank you for asking. New Lake, uh, it's newlake.com, N-E-W-L-A-K-E.com. Our ticker symbol is N-L-C-P, New Lake Capital Partners.
1: All right. I think with that, we're going to have to roll this one up. I want to thank my guest, Anthony Caniglio. He's with New Lake Capital Partners. I'm Josh Kincaid. This is The Talking Hedge. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Or don't. And I'm out. Don't forget to smash that like button on your way out. And check out these other videos that we've got.